Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Edge with Eddie, detangling our Black identities. I am your host, Eddie Etty. Like always, I am excited for you to join our journey to explore all the different shades of Black, black identities, have real conversations, and of course, discussions. Our conversations and stories and discussions are not meant to degrade, discourage, or prove a point. Explain Black Identities is about learning, empowering, and giving people a voice to tell their stories, and at times be a voice for those people who don't feel comfortable speaking out. Like I say every single time, hashtag not all Black people are the same. Today, though, I have a dance teacher extraordinaire, a drummer. I mean, this man got better moves than your mama. My brother, my cousin, a gentle, intelligent soul, a wise counsel, Mode Achia. What's oh. going on, bro? <laughs> You're too kind. You're too kind. You're too kind. Thank you so much for having me on your show and uh, for doing this. More voices, more stories. As Chimamanda Adichie says, we need more stories. We need more stories. So. So kudos to you for doing this. Kudos oh, absolutely, to you. Absolutely. You know, you know, when again when I started doing this, it was really more selfish reasons, right? Because you know, I started reflecting on how people see me um, or how people view me in, in the whole mix of the pandemic and social injustice. And I was like, do people actually just see me and then look at me like I'm just a black person, or do they think of something deeper, right? Um, right. you know, and so I was like wow, I need to talk to other people to see if other people feel the way I do mm -hmm. and just, you know, sort of have conversation. And then I'm like, wait, if I'm going to do this, I should go back and have other people listen to the conversation too, right? You know, so right. here we are, you know, on the podcast, on the edge with Eddie, detangling our Black identities. That's now, right. so I have known you since what 1993 that's a really long time, a long and, time. <laughs> and one of the things that i appreciate about you is how you are very crafty with words right i mean like <laughs> i can i can listen to you speak all day and there's so much wisdom that spits out of your mouth that i'm just <laughs> like man and I'm telling you, listeners, you're in for a treat because this man is an intelligent soul. I mean, he has, he has a lot of wisdom and he's a great dance. So let's start with how did you end up becoming uh, a, salsa a salsa dancer and a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's start with the fun stuff. That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, let's, let's try to reimagine <laughs> my life here. <laughs> it, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but that's that's how life sometimes goes. Um, right. Yeah, and so, so the thing is, you know, sometimes you say things choose you, you know, you, you're just at the ready and you, you're just walking and then there's a, a crossroad appears. Right. And in the crossroad, there are choices, there are options for you. And sometimes you get to the crossroad, you don't know exactly where you want to go. Right, yep. And so it's not a matter of making, of, of, of using will, but something tells you, this is, this, is, this is where I need to go. This is where I need to go. So it was never part of my, it was never part of what I thought I would ever be doing or I would be getting involved in, but, through what dance is, right. dance is really a, a metaphor for a whole lot of things. And within, within what I believe is this constant movement, this constant movement, we're never, never still, this constant movement. What we do is we catch the flow of the moment. We catch the flow of the rhythm. The rhythm is constantly there. We just catch it for a second, for a little bit of time, and then we rest. 
there's rest and there's movement. There's rest and there's movement. So, so this is what happens, you know, in, in, my, in my life, how I got to, to get into to dance, you know, being, it started early, really, you know, one of my earliest memories was, I think I was in, I'm not even sure what I was, I, I must have been in Switzerland. Mm. So I was born in Ghana. Uh, my dear, dear parents left Ghana when I was six months old. And so my, my memories of Ghana, right. <laughs> it's funny to say, yeah. I have to say though, one of my, one of the memories I have, as I, I must have been, I mean, so small, but I remember seeing light. Mm. I remember seeing light as I was, when I was very, 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 very young. It never left me, this feeling of being in a room yeah. where there was a light bulb, there was a source of light. I always remember that. So that was never the case when, of any early memories when I was in, in Switzerland. Right. I have memories growing up and things like that, but I don't have like fun, uh, foundational memories when I was young. The first memory I remember really is, and I knew I was in Ghana, even though I was, as I think back about it, it's like, how could you have known you in Ghana? I knew I was in Ghana, the, the type of light, it was night. I, I just felt, I just felt. So right. I began the sensory, sensorial experience about life. Um, what I remember early is my, my father, he's worked at that time was working for the YMCA. And so he used to be gone for long periods of time. When we came back, my mom used to tell us, we would ask her, but who's this man in the house? Because <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> For, for <laughs> Not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but he used to bring back records. So one of these, on one of these trips, he brought back rec uh, some records and I remember him playing them. And there was, there were uh, records from, uh, from Cuba. Oh, wow. Yes. Afro-Cuban music. So I remember listening to Afro-Cuban music a long time ago. Yeah. And that and that registers in your bones, in your genes. It becomes like a, a part of you. It becomes part of your rhythm. Right. So that's what I remember. And also remember just when my father was around, also being in Switzerland, in Geneva, is you are just like we are here in the belly of the beast. Mm -hmm. So I remember the intensity of the connections when people came together. Mm. You talked about language, why I'm, I'm, I'm into language, things like that. This is also what I remember. Right. The deep, and this, but you guys also, you understand just particularly, I'm sure, because of your particular experience being Ghanaian and being who you are, and also who you are also. You're quite verbal and loquacious and you like to, to verbalize. Right. You like to express joy, express emotion as well. We have, yeah. we have no problems with that. Right. We, both of us. No, we, we, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. We like expressing ourselves okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think that comes from also the background of storytelling. Yeah. We have this 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 tradition of of telling stories, but also being in Af being in Switzerland there, people came from, we knew people from Africa, people from different places. Mm -hmm. And the way that you connect is you tell stories. Right. This is what connects you. You tell stories continually. You're continually telling stories. And so for the earliest time, I remember this, the intensity of language being used to describe and to emote and to make a point and to bring you to earth and to bring you in solidarity, to make sense of where, where you were and why you were there and to make sense of the moment, which oftentimes was joyful because you're, in communion with your fellow people, your fellow Africans, and sometimes not even just Africans, with anyone really. But the intensity of those things, I remember very well. And we have a way of also in, our, in Africa, in many parts, in the whole world really, of the wisdoms come with, uh, we have proverbs, we have so, so many proverbs. Yeah, all the proverbs, yeah. yeah, yeah. All the proverbs, I love the proverbs. <laughs> yes, amazing. They constitute so much knowledge, right. but not, not only that is the language itself. Right. 
one of the earlier earliest languages I, I was hearing in my in my ear was Ebe. And Ebe is 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 a beautiful language. It's an absolutely beautiful language. It's a stately language. It's a language, you know, we don't have it's a makes you think differently. Yeah, yep. Doesn't it? It does. It does. You know? That's absolutely right. Because again, you know, like I said, there's a lot of times that um, I find it hard to express myself in English, right? Mm -hmm. And there's mm -hmm. just deep emotions that um, I feel that mm -hmm. I want to express them to someone uh, in mm -hmm. English, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very hard, especially, um, you know, my very close white friends, when I want to express those emotions that I don't usually express, <laughs> right? I mm -hmm. find it hard to find the words to express those emotions in the English language, but mm -hmm. it's easy, really easy to express them in Ewe, right? You know, mm -hmm. like I can say something, you know, like, right? <laughs> right? Or like, <laughs> or, you know, like something like that. And, you know, like someone who hears that really understands sort of yes. where I'm coming from when I say something like that. Right. But when I, when I, when you, when you, when you translate it to like, you know, look at your face, right. right. It, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have the same meaning. It doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. So, so you're absolutely right. You know, language, you know, yes. it's, it's the whole thing. Like, like, so for dancing, for example, for you, dancing, like you said, like catching the flow of the moment and telling mm -hmm. stories and stuff like that, that mm -hmm. its own is its own language, right? So mm -hmm. dance is its own language. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like, you're absolutely right. So let mm -hmm. me ask you this. First of all, how many languages do you currently speak? Um, and then we can talk about, you know, growing up in Switzerland, because again, I don't know a lot about Switzerland um, mm -hmm. and I, I want to sort of understand the climate or the culture, what it was like for you growing up in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I, the, my, my growing up language, I was, I was hearing English in my ear, but I spoke French, understood French. So that was my first language. Yeah. My parents also spoke spoke Kevin in a house and people you had friends from Ghana coming, Benin Togo yep. speaking as well. So that's in my ear. I don't speak it as well, but that's in my ear. Um, and then uh, I later later on, much later I, I learned I, I learned English mm. in in a French speaking Af uh, African country, interestingly in Ivory Coast. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, and then when I came to Iowa, this is where I started to really dive into Spanish. Life is such, it's much more crazy than people think. I mean, life is amazing. So um, yeah, so those, all these languages have a modality yeah. And a way of makes me think a different way. My Spanish again is not as as good as anything, but um, it makes you think a different way. And just like you're saying, you know, when yeah. you're saying something in in ever, so if you want to insult somebody face to face, you use Spanish. Use Spanish if you want to insult them. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> if, if you if you want to disrespect them, use English. That's if you right. Really want to <laughs> if you want to suck their soul out of their out of their body, you use right. Evan. That's you right. What do you call Gromi? Why? What do I do? I know. Movie talk. Why? Please, I beg. I know. I know, right? Those are insults, by the way. People who are. Oh, man. But so the, 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 the way that language structures your experience or allows you to to express your experience yep. in dance. This is, this is what happens. Um, before I talk to you about Switzerland, it, it, actually let's talk about Switzerland first. So all these rhythms, right? I'm listening to in, in Switzerland. Growing up in Switzerland, hmm, one of the markers of my growing up in Switzerland is this. I refer to it, to the contrasting experience that I got 
when when my parents left, when we left Switzerland. So I grew up, I was in Switzerland for nine years, my, the first nine years of my life. And then my parents left and they went to Cote d'Ivoire. Now, landing in Cote d'Ivoire, this is when I realized what Switzerland was. It's only in the contrast that Switzerland became Switzerland. Switzerland be, became not so much who I was, but became this abstract idea. It became not so much what I was anymore because there's so many, there's so many problematics to Switzerland. So, but growing up in Switzerland, I had a, had a as somebody would say, a very charmed childhood. I went to public school, you know, I remember I had, I, I didn't, I, I fought twice. I remember two times I fought and I did not realize really what it was. And those two times later on, I realized it was, it was a racial thing. Right. But at the time I didn't realize, this is also one of the insidious things about racial things right. is that they, they, they implant inside of you. Mm. Like those, those people who believe that the government is putting chips in you. Yeah, they in racism does that and it plants inside of you. Right. And sometimes it makes you, it, it destroys your self-esteem from within. That's what one thing that it does. Or it's like a sleeping cell. It stays, it lays dormant inside of you. And at the right moment, it rears up and says, you're nothing. Yep. You're less than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Don't you realize all the time you were nothing? Right, yeah. Like, you know, that, that's a very good point because I was talking to um, um, uh, Din Wing the other day and she was giving the example of racism is sort of like cancer, right? Yeah. It, it's like cancer in your body. And what happens is, you know, people usually slap a Band-Aid mm -hmm. on their hand thinking mm -hmm. racism is just a small cut that right. it can, you know, fix. But you're right. saying like racism is really like cancer in yeah. somebody's mind, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to do chemotherapy. You have to go through like you lose your hair and go mm -hmm. through all of these different, you know, sort of stages before mm -hmm. you can completely remove it from your mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, people are not willing to do that. And mm -hmm. so those of us who are in that space facing the racism, you know, we're just there and it's sometimes it eats inside, like, you know, it eats you alive. And yeah. there are times that nothing you can do about it, you know? That's right. Um, like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why the, you have to be vigilant. You have to be extremely vigilant. Like I said, when I say, say we're living in the middle of the beast, but the beast itself is trying to insert organisms within you that are going to work long-term. So you have to always be vigilant. But again, sometimes you don't have that awareness. So, so that becomes very dangerous. But um, this will we'll probably go back to that in a second. But so leaving, so Switzerland's, yeah, Switzerland, you know, part of your, part of the way I, I think of, because I also lived in different places as well, but yeah. um, I, I, there's a TED talk by, uh, what's this, Tai Selassie, she talks about, um, being from a uh, local, uh, being local, multi-local. And so Switzerland is part of my, my being a person of multi-local, uh, an entity of multi-local places, meaning that my, it's not so much a nationality, it's part of me because there's some customs and rituals that I, that I, that I recognize that, I've, that I was able to, to to experience while I was there. And there was also some, like as everyone else, some life affirming moments. Everybody has stages in their life. I mean, if you're lucky, of course, you have certain stages in your life. They can be sometimes traumatic or just simple, simple aspects of growth that happened in every single place that I lived. So every single place that I lived has rituals and have relationships to them. And there are some things, and as, as Tai Selassie says, there's some restrictions within those spaces as well. Mm -hmm. So Switzerland was, gave me this, you know, I had friendships, I had uh, understood a little bit of what, that I was a part. We right. were quote unquote different. My, my, my parents would go to fairs, for example, and they would, they would, they would cook Accra 
and they'll serve Accra yeah. and and people are like, oh, and they would cook at Chamor. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, so I understood that, that those two people don't know anything about this stuff. Right. And so, and we know about this. So that's, that's interesting to me. Hmm. And we were playing music. It's like, oh, these people don't know anything about this. We, we partied like right. nobody partied like we did, you know? So growing up around in the, in Switzerland was, I mean, there's so many angles to it, but it, it like I said earlier, it became clear what it was after we left and we right. landed yeah. in, uh, in Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah, because I mean, there are many times, there are a lot of times that, you know, as human beings, we don't really see something until, right. or we don't really feel the experience of something until we leave that space and go yeah. somewhere else, right? Exactly. So, so, so for example, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, for me, when I was in Ghana, for example, or, you know, like New Jersey, right? So in the East Coast, you know, when I was there, it was just the East Coast, right? Yeah. You know, and then when I came to Iowa and then started feeling the, oh, this whole Iowa Midwest nice, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know if I, I, I can put up with this whole because <laughs> I, I want people in my face. If they don't like me, I know they don't like me, right? But this yes. whole business of, Oh, I don't like you, but you know this, this, and you know being some way about how they don't like me. While it's like you know they don't like you, right? But they're being nice about them not liking you, and you know, so like you're right. So again, you know, for you, it was you move back, you move back to Cote d'Ivoire, and that's when you realize what Switzerland was for what it was, right? Mm -hmm. um, which yeah. make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. um, um, so again, so you moved to Cote d'Ivoire, uh, again, back to uh, the African continent. Did you, at that time, did you feel the sort of the, the difference between you being a black man in Switzerland and then coming back to sort of in the black land world, right? Uh, mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. world. And mm -hmm. then, of course, now you're with the, the French speaking world in a black place but it was colonized, colon, I can't even say that was, colonized, colonized, <laughs> colonized or whatever it is by the French, right? So all of their, the systems and, you know, the infrastructure, everything, you know, was built by the French. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. so did that, did you, did you see any difference as far as, you know, being black in Switzerland and then coming back to the African continent, you know, what awakened within you to see that, mm -hmm. oh, wow, Switzerland was what it was. Mm -hmm. and how did you transition back to mm -hmm. um, the African continent? That, that's, that's, that's a whole thesis. <laughs> that's a whole, that's one, that's a wonderful. We can premise. do a part two. <laughs> so give us, give us a little teaser of that oh, transition I'm, and then we can do a part two. Yeah, absolutely not. I won't stretch too much. Um, the reason I say that it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful way, uh, it's a beautiful like entry for like a, a, some kind of um, a, a further exploration is because my awareness of what was happening yeah. happened through me realizing how bigoted I myself was. Mm. This, is, this, is, this, is, this is high, this is sorcery, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yep. White supremacy is so sorcery. This is why, because when I, this is a simple illustration. Yeah. When, uh, there's one thing that astonished me when we were in, in Cote d'Ivoire. The first, I remember my first, most of my first impressions was like, I was looking around, I was like, oh, you mean, People don't live in trees. Mm, mm. Yep. <laughs> do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh, I thought we, I thought we would see like Tree animals yep. and elephants. Where, where are the elephants and the lions? Why, uh -huh. why, why, why don't they have them in people's houses? Why are they feeding them? Right. You see? You see? <laughs> mm. you see? Mm. Then I would then also realize, ah, how come they treat me? I'm being treated differently. Mm. I come from Switzerland. I'm not, oh, wait a minute. Right. The, the, the French there 
yeah. many of them have a colonial mindset. That was some time ago. I'm sure it hasn't really changed, but that of colonial mi- mindset, meaning there is a way of looking down at the African that can never change. Mm-hmm. They, that will never change because of colonialism, because of that's set. That's like a, the caste system has set it so that right. you will always be at the bottom rung of the ladder. Always. It doesn't matter how you change. Like you can move uh, financially, you can accrue wealth, but still, because of this made-up history, there's always this disparity. There's always this imbalance. So as a little kid, I realized, I, realized, I was like, wait a minute, this is not true. This is, this is totally not true. Why, why, why was I, what did they, so this is, this is the beginning. This is another step of the detangling. Right, yep. The untangling of the, the, self, the, the, the oppression, the self-hate. Right. Which I wasn't aware of. Right. If I did that, I wouldn't have been. Maybe, maybe later on, whatnot. People have different ways of going through it. But then I started to see that because I realized to myself, like you have some really screwed up notions, but they really screwed up notions. The other thing was the way that the French. I went to French school. The way the French teachers treated us mm. was horrific. I remember being slapped. <laughs> and now, now some Africans would be like, oh, but how? But that's, oh, that's, yeah. but that, that's normal. But, no, exactly. <laughs> we used to have the, 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 the quartermaster used to, right. to go in the morning exactly. with yeah. the huh? You just line up and just. But there are different levels of slapping, though. There's, like, there's different. There's different level. There's the slapping when you 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 tell a lie or something and you get a slap, right? Uh-huh. And then exactly. there's the one that you know you are in trouble, and your father calls you. I do the triumph, Eche. Come here, <laughs> and you know that slap is coming, and you already urinated in your drawers before you even showed up. <laughs> Right. So there's different levels of slap. Let's be honest. <laughs> yes, indeed. And they'll let oh, yep. you and you and go and pick up the the, the 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 switch. Go pick it up, and you come back with this little one. Say, ah, because you did that. Go pick a bigger one and get double the double the serving. Ah, no, no, serious. So yeah, so they were maltreating the. So the and I never. I was. I remember that shock when I first got my my first slap. It was because. Yeah. The, also, the, this, the French system, schooling system was a bit different. I had to adapt. So I got this massive, nice slap on my face. And I, I was like, I completely flabbergasted. I took off, ran out of the classroom oh. and ran home. Ran home. And they were trying to stop me. I just ran home. Like, why, why? I just ran home. <laughs> and we, we, we left like 20, 25 minutes, half an hour. I just ran all the way home. Then my parents came to this to see the teacher says, uh-uh, we don't, that's not, we can't, this is what we do. I mean, you are maybe used to, but that's not, he's not going to, they're not going to do this to this, to this child. Mm. She never touched me again. But then I realized something about, I was like, this is just the, 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 the uh, impunity and the, we, the access to hurt the black body. Right, yep, yeah. Have complete, in a, a complete access to hurt you, to enter your space, to use your body as collateral for whatever, to be a reservoir for my frustration. Mm-hmm. You're always available to be done, to, 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 be, to, to be used for, for so that, that shook me. I was like, uh, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like this thing. Wow, I yeah. don't, the loss of loss of power. I'm a kid. She's, you know, and we're we taught to be respectful and stuff. And it was hard for me to ask, I can't respect you. If you're going to touch, I can't do that. Right. I can't do that. I was already precocious that way. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. That's not gonna, that's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. So um, so there was that that degree of 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 uh, of awareness. Then due to some other uh, reasons. Then I switched. My parents switched me from that French system to the American system. Mm. There's another jump. Yep. There's a complete other jump. 
Right. The American school system in, in West Africa is one thing that I don't know, people, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah, it is it's, a thing, yeah. Some people could say it's indoctrination. <laughs> some, people, <laughs> some people say it's a, it's, you know, some of the same problems. It's, some, it's like a little oasis of, of, of madness. Right. Um, but all the socio, sociological relationships and, and problems occur within those, those schools. But one thing again, I learned English, which again, gave me another way mm. of looking at the world. And I was taught, and I'm so glad I was taught by this woman. I think she was from, from Algeria or, or Egypt. Um, and she was teaching English right. in an school. And I'm so glad it was her. Right. I am so glad it was her because she introduced this, I would say this at least, at best, let me say at best because this problem this is problematic what I'm saying. A, a neutral way of relating to the English language that is not so much more fraught, that is not fraught with, with, um, with subordination. Mm. Like these are certain words that are reserved for you, yeah. that you, the way that you say things, or we're going to omit saying, uh, teaching you certain things because you're black anyway. So you're probably never going to use this stuff. We're not going to push you. We're not going to do all that stuff. That was, it was, that was not in class. It was, at least it was neutral, you know? So I got the quote unquote same English lessons, the same sense of the English language that my, my peers, the, the other peers in the, in the classroom did. So at least for me, I was like, as I think back about it, yes. But now here I am, I'm learning English in a French colonized country. Yep. In an American school, having yep. come from French system, uh, which contrasts completely from the Swiss system, right. in a Ghanaian household, working with my father now working for the United Nations. Man, talk about a tangle identity. Exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that, that's a lot of entanglement. So that's like, you know, yes. like identity crisis to the ninth degree. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And one of the big things that was, but there was still being omitted, of course, was the history, the, the, the actual history of this country. Right. The, 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 the big lie, really, what this country is really, how this country was really founded. What is this founded on? This, this was not still being taught to me or my relationship as a black person to the culture. So you're still, oh, this melting pot and all that stuff. There's right. all that stuff happening still. So I'm not quite where I need to be, but I'm still, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this English language and I'm, I'm being, I'm using this English language with people from all over the world. Yeah. All over the world from, well, a lot of Lebanese people in Cote d'Ivoire, uh, Lebanese people, from people from uh, Lebanon, uh, I mean, anywhere, this is just yeah. name it. So, in, in that cross-section, again, of the, of the cl classroom, I'm starting to also understand the, the issue of, of class as well. Mm. That's also something that's very, very important. Yep. Um, I'm starting to understand, oh, well, the people that are around me that were not, that were not in, the French, in the French system and what the parents did and how they kind of kept to themselves and things like that. And I'm always... Felt well. I was I was young, and so I was thinking. Hmm. I became a bit rebellious at that <laughs> at that time. I'm starting to hang with a bunch of you know people who were a bit a bit rebellious. You could just say yep. it's something yeah. that you do as a young person, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was more of a it was a reaction to understanding that in this Avricos Cote d'Ivoire, Avricos then Cote d'Ivoire. There's so much, there's so much stratification in terms of, you know, just going out of the school, seeing what's happening and going back in the school and the way it was back and also in the French school, there was so much stratification. Yeah. It was like, hmm, there's, there's, there's something not very comfortable about this whole thing. There's really not something not comfortable. Right. Um, but I was getting, again, I was be becoming ensconced in, the culture of the place, yeah. which yep. part of a lot of these uh, really uh, 
um, seminal experiences of growing up, many of them happened in, uh, in Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah. Um, um, but the sense of the sense of 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 the energy of of an African country that's also what I, I really I think I got you know how the politics of a country like influences everything and it influences also how people talk about to each other what they talk about and the other the, the big thing I think that I realized also um, I remember one of the things I will always remember about Ivory Coast is waking up to the to sounds of of um, of, of the mosques, of the morning prayers. Yep, yeah. They call to prayer. Yep. And it, this, that was intertwined within. And uh, later on, sadly, of course, there was a war in Ivory Coast, a horrible war. Um, and on some religious basis, of course. But when, when we were there, this is one of the things I remember because all these stories that come to you when, in this, when you're in, a, in, a, in America, yeah. it's like, oh, you know, the, the Muslims can't live with the Christians, so there's always going to be fight. That's yeah, not. Yeah. That, that's not true. No, nope, that's not, not true. true at all. Nope, not at that all. Is, that is not true. Yep. You know, I remember this being so. I mean, I loved it. It was again. I was young. Maybe I was a bit naive, of course. But, uh, but I that was not. There was never. There was never that type of thing. Of course, later on, it was obviously because it happened. It was it, it burst into war, yeah. but. Um, so that's I remember that. Cohabiting, at least on the surface, like, oh yeah, this this coexists, you know, this religion coexists with that religion. This language, the the the, the from the north happens to also coexist with coexist, with yeah. uh, with all the other languages. You know, it was a, it's like the courtyard is full of languages. The courtyard is full of religion. The courtyard is full of food. The courtyard is full of people of different beliefs and 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 um and background so that's what i re I, I remember about Cote d'ivoire again again also class wise you know we came in from switzerland and uh so we occupied a very specific class uh according to uh in contrast to everything else so that must always be mm, yeah. always be mentioned always be mentioned and that, that, that that's oof. I mean, there, there's so much to um, discuss and detangle and unpack. And um, again, like the coexisting, right? Like I have some really great Muslim friends that, you know, we, we have really good conversations, you know, about mm -hmm. life, right? You know, um, and to think that, you know, Christians and Muslims cannot coexist in the same space, it's, mm -hmm. it's really just crazy that mm -hmm. people things like that, right? Again, maybe people haven't been exposed to that environment. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for them to understand that concept, right? But let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you finally make it to the United States of America. You know, it's heavens, it's the a doorstep to heaven and everything is amazing. And you get here and you're just like, oh, wow. Is this America, <laughs> right? Um, right? So let's talk a little bit about, you know, you moved to America and now you've been in the system for a long time. Again, we've talked about how in the United States, um, you know, racism is like cancer, but nothing changes, right? There's all these great movements and, you know, um, you know, people are fighting and there's maybe uh, the needle will move just a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think no. I heard you say once that, you know, being a black man is easy. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can do all these things. Mm -hmm. But being a black man in the space that has predominantly white individuals is mm -hmm. what creates struggles for the black man. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's tell me a little bit about about that and your thoughts about that. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> so. So. The, the idea of, of blackness to me is a political exercise. It's a political project. Blackness yep. has had to have to, 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 to be because of white supremacy. It has had to be. It right. was created due to white supremacy. Right. And it's an idea. It's a made up idea. It's completely 
it doesn't exist. As James Baldwin you know, says in paraphrasing that, why is, what, does, what do white people have to have? A Negro, I'm, I'm using the, the other word, but why? Why is, the, why is, the, is, that, is that the case? So in a country founded, its foundational story is of rape and pillage. Yep. It's a settler colony. Yep. It's nothing to do with, we came for liberty and or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. If you're honest with yourself, the DNA of this country is born out of oppression and genocide. That is where you begin. Mm. And when later on you institute this system, this irascible system of, of color that is that is bio, that you claim is biological, right? And you you entangle it in in your in your your mythical foundation. Yeah. Everything that you do from there on out is going to have a racial tint or stench to it. Every single thing is going to have a stench to it. Yep. So imagine that you, this is your, the vessel in which you are born into. You're, it's impossible for you to be born outside of this vessel. You're born into this vessel. Us, some of us that come into it's like it's like when I came to the States and I, I realized that one of the first things I remember, clear as day, I remember this air, especially when I went to Chicago. I remember, my God, this city feels so segregated. And I didn't really have that word yet that I, I wasn't using that word freely. But I, I knew I was like, there's something so not together about this place, ununified, disunited separate about this place. I used to remember this one of the first impressions I had of, of Chicago. People would say that, of course, about Chicago anyway, yeah. but as just a fresh, fresh off the boat, as they say, and I, I say that very carefully, but um, this is what I felt. Now, in, so within, within America, this, the, the, when you project this, the future, the, your existence, what's your possibility? What, what we are missing at this time, there's never been a story about America where you're completely free. If you think about this, it's so fun. It's, it's mind boggling. Yep. There's yeah. not a story in America where you are completely quote unquote free. That, that there's a life for you not in this present, in the past, in the present. And even as you, as you, uh, projected in the future. In, the, in terms of the white gaze, is there such a thing? And I, this is a question. Is there such an imagination that you can see a world with no oppression? Can you actually imagine that? My answer right now is of course you don't. Right. Yep. Because for some yeah. of you who feel that equality is a burden because you've had such privilege for so long, so long that it, yeah, yeah. it feels like oppression to you. Right. What do you mean we're yeah. gonna be equal? You can't even imagine a world without oppression. Right. You don't yeah. have the tools to imagine. Hmm. You don't have the wherewithal. You don't have the imagination. Think about this, yep. Eddie. Yeah. The, yep. the very imagination. Because you can see like in, in popular culture when you have like, oh, this person is gonna play this character which was is a fictional character, let's say James Bond, is gonna be played by Idris Elba. <gasps> what? Oh no, no, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> then imagine it. Right. Yeah. Yep. The imagination, the imaginary of this country where black people, and I'm using this as a political term because there's yep. many variations and many levels of analysis, but as a as a black, you, you cannot imagine a, a, a life free right. of oppression. Can I? I? I don't know what that looks like. That's the other thing. Yep. How does that look like? It's never happened. Does that mean it can't happen? I, 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 right now, I do no, not no. Yeah. know. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely you know? right, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so we're not able to imagine anything better because you, you're still trying to not even acknowledge, to even begin to acknowledge what has happened. 
Yeah. You can't even be, begin to acknowledge what has happened. So we, this is the inflection point of, of, being, of this year. Yeah. And I've, I've heard of many people talking about different types of inflection points. And this is one of them. But so in the caucus that we are in, because so as an African, as a, as a, as a black person, mm-hmm. so you're, you're, you're put into this mold and you're witness to daily horrors. Right. For me, there's not a, a small horror. Everything for me is a horror. Anything that puts puts that makes you look down, degrades you, some, that, that degrades you, yeah. is a major horror. There's yeah. no, it, there's this implicit bias and this this uh, microaggression. Yeah. For me, that does not exist. Everything is because the project is the successful evolution of your behavior yeah. and of your policies can only result in one thing. Yeah. That is the, my elimination, right. the genocide of people that look like me. That is the only place it can go. Right. If you want it to work, that's the, that's the only place it can go. So either you stop, either you stop or you're trying to kill me. Right. You're committing genocide. This is the only two. Yeah. You're committing, if it's slow, people call it slow genocide. That's what's happening. It's right. a slow yeah. genocide. Mm-hmm. We've, we've used your body, the racial capitalism, we've, you, you were brought in for a particular reason. We have used and degraded you and right. dehumanized you. And now we don't want you here. Please leave. We, try, we have tried to get you to leave. Please yeah, go away. <laughs> Yep. Please go away. Yep, yep. <laughs> this is the constant din in this country that we don't want you here. You're not welcome here. We don't want you here. You're not welcome. Here. This is the constant din in this country. So, as an Af- as someone who comes out of this yep. from outside the culture into it, I have yeah. a very special appreciation for Ados, African descendants of slaves. Yeah. And it's especially important when you talk about reparations. Yeah. And they want, they are at the top of the, in front of the line, which, whatever that means, because we're still talking about capitalism, which is also very problematic, but yeah. that's a, a, that's a different sub, topic. Yeah. yeah a conversation. <laughs> yep. It is a sub, but it is kind of the same conversation, yeah. but because I, I always have to, to put, put a point to it, because essentially if you want to change the system, you can't reform the system. If right. the system is built for oppression, yep. you can't use the same system for That's not, that's not liberation. Absolutely. That's not liberty, which is essential for me. That's how can we imagine a world without oppression? That's eventually. But anyways, back to where we were. Yeah. Um, so in Iowa, um, when the, I, I asked the question, um, how do you, do you want to live in a world with no oppression? What does that look, look like for you? Right. What does that look like for you? Don't be my ally. I don't. I don't. I don't need an ally. Are you a human being? Do you like? Do you like life right. and love? Yeah. And, and wealth and a healthy planet. We only have one planet. Do you know? We only have one planet. <laughs> <laughs> do you enjoy that? Do you, do you? Well, what? What? Why are you so intent on acting as if oppression doesn't exist? Mm, right. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> That, 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 that's a great question. I, okay. So first of all, I told you guys, I told all of you that this man is so filled <laughs> with wisdom. And when he starts talking, I don't want to stop, but you know what? This conversation is just the beginning of a lot more conversations to come. You sure. and I are going to continue our conversations yeah. Um, you are on the edge with Eddie, with Mode Achia. Again, like I said, a gentle, intelligent soul, great dancer, artistic. I mean, I love this man. It's 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 an honor to talk to you. Um, I don't want the, I don't want the conversation to stop, but I want to make sure we get you back because when you come back, we're talking more about what you just mentioned, right? 
do people really want change, right? Do right. people really want to do better? Do they want um, sort of um, uh, equity, equality, inclusivity for everybody? Right. Right. Because if you truly want that, that means you have to give something away, right? So let me ask the question to all my wife friends. And you want to be part of the change. You want to help with the social injustice and unfair treatment of Black people. What are you willing to give up, right? Are you willing to give up what you have, white privilege? Are you willing to give up certain parts of your freedom for somebody else to be free? Right. And then that's something that you have to think about, something you have to reflect on. And we will talk more about that. And the next time my big brother comes on the show uh, again, you're on the edge with Eddie detangling black identities. Before I let you go, though, what I usually do is give um, everybody one minute to send a message to the world. If you had one minute to send a message to the world, what would that message be? And I'm going to give you some background music while you think about it. <laughs> um, well, the message is we need more light. We need more light in the world. We need a lot of light. So light means transparency. Light means joy. Light means support. Light means loving our planet. Life means, light means voicing, finding your voice. Life means wanting the next day to be as good of not better mm. than the, the, the day that you have created. So it's, a, it's not so much of a, of a challenge, but it's, um, it's understanding that you have to bring this into, you know, into yourself. So I'm speaking not just for the people who are, that look like me, Black mm. people, uh, we are under some some craziness, you know. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, th let's take care of ourselves. Let's take care of ourselves. Let's find our power. This is something very very important. A lot of these situations is a power a power dynamics. Mm -hmm. We try to find our own power. How does it make us go forward? Because yeah. we are not going to do it by ourselves. We can't. We absolutely can't. We have to have some type of unity. We have to have some type of of uh, critical mass and things like that. And for those who are, that don't look like me, again, it's about light. Yeah. Find some light, find some light. Nice, nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You're on the <laughs> edge with Eddie, Detangled Black Identities. My guest, Mode Achean, thank you so much. Like he said, be the light of the world in the words of Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. Although sometimes the change you want to see in the world is not the change that I want to see in the world, but let's all be lights and light up this world because it's one planet. We're all humans and let's treat each other like others want to be treated. Treated. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure and we definitely will do this again. Sure. Thank you. More and more, more and more. All right. That's a wrap. Until next time, you're on the edge with Eddie, Detangled Black Identities. I am your host, Eddie Etsy.